Lord, your daughters said it perfectly. Our souls are empty. We need for you to fill us anew every day. Your mercies are new every morning, every day. We need to be refreshed and refilled by you. Let it be our prayer on this morning that we would be available. There's so much trying to pull on our minds and on our times. There's so much vying and fighting for our attention in the world today, but we want to be available to you. Let us be available to you. Use us as you would have us to be used. Keep us squarely in your purpose and in your will on today and every day. And through that, we know that we will be blessed. Through that, we know that we will find purpose and meaning. Lord, someone here needs a touch from you on this morning. Someone here needs a word from you on this morning. Please touch these lips of clay. Please forgive their inadequacy to preach your word, which is greater than all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Clap those hands that God gave you and give him praise on today. And you may be seated. Let's give the Lord praise for legacy on this morning, the young ladies of legacy. It seems as though our young people are just in a place of turmoil. There's so much trying to pull them in so many different directions. So anytime I see those who are younger than me, which is as time goes on, I'm finding a whole lot more people who are younger than me doing stuff. It's, I give the Lord praise for them. Praise for the church of tomorrow. Amen. Every time they sing, I hear them sing, they get a little bit stronger. Amen. Let's also praise the Lord for our pastor and leader on today. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise for Bishop Charles Edward Blake Sr. Amen. And let's praise the Lord for Lady May L. Blake, the First Lady of West Angeles Church. Every once in a while, I like to look around the church and look at every color and the way everything just flows and just say, my, sister, my mother is a bad sister on today. <laughs> and speaking of my sister, let's praise the Lord for my sister Kim on this morning. I'm a whole lot taller than she is right now, but I am always remembering back to that time in first grade when a bully was just messing with me. I didn't even know what was going on. And all of a sudden, my sister just swooped from out of nowhere and just whoop chucked him and karate chopped him and, you know, sent him on about his way. <laughs> Y'all didn't know that she could throw a mean right cross. Amen. Let's also praise the Lord for my brother on this morning, Elder Lawrence Blake. 
who is more than just a good preacher. He is a right man of God. And praise the Lord for yourselves on this morning. It is my great honor to be able to serve you as your assistant pastor. Let's go to the word. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and the first half of verse 10. And it reads, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. And we can stop right there. Now, one of the defining characteristics and defining physical characteristics that has separated humankind from the animal world and has caused us to reach such high levels of technological and technical advancement is the way in which we use our hands. There are 27 bones in each hand, more bones than in any other part of our bodies. Your hands are the principal means of interaction with the world around you. You can observe the world through your eyes and ears, but it is with your hands that you interact with that world. We touch, grab, push, pull, feel, put on, take off, caress, pick up, put down, build up, tear down, help, hit, hold, hurt, heal, and kill, literally, with our hands. Human hands can paint the Sistine Chapel. They can play a guitar, as our brother Eric Walsh ably did a few weeks ago. They can maneuver surgical instruments. They can chisel a David. They can forge steel. They can mold clay. They can even write poetry. Our hands are e extremely expressive. They can pray and praise. They can sign for the death. They can tell a story or reveal our innermost thoughts. You can say you love your spouse with your mouth and your lips, but you show your spouse that you love them with what you do or don't do with your hands. You can look at something all day. You can shout to at it. You can listen to it, but until you put your hands on it, nothing is going to happen. Look at them. Look at your hands. While we talk today, I just want you to continue to look at your hands. Everybody in the room and online, look at your hands today. Go on, just take a second and, and look at them. Look at the creases, the wrinkles, the, the details, the scars on your hands. Some of us don't 
like our hands, but almost everything that you do in life is going to begin and end with these hands. Look at them again. Look at them. These are your hands. Since I was little, I've always thought my hands were a little strange because of the way my kind of my, in, my middle finger and my index fingers curved towards the outside of my hands, towards my little finger. I used to look at them and just go, hmm, that's strange. Well, one day, years later, when we were visiting Mason Temple, the headquarters of this great church of God in Christ in Memphis, Tennessee, and we were on church business, my brother, Elder Lawrence Blake, my uncle, Bishop J.A. Blake Jr., and I were walking through the offices of the temple, and we stopped in this long hallway. Some of you may have been there before. And in this hallway are the portraits of those who have served and led the church since its beginning more than 100 years ago. We stopped at the portrait of my grandfather, Bishop Junius Augustus Blake Sr., who served on the general board of the Church of God in Christ, and we just stood there and looked at it for a while, my brother, my uncle, and me. My uncle quietly chuckled and said, out of the blue, look at those hands. And as I looked at the hands of my grandfather, who went on to be with the Lord when I was 14 years old, I saw the same slight curvature of the middle and index finger, towards the outside of his hand. The same one that I had been wondering about for as long as I could remember. Uncle Jay saw me looking at my hands and he held his up and there it was. Same curve of the index and little finger. We both looked at Elder Lawrence's hands and there it was again on Elder Lawrence's hand. We laughed about it and walked a little bit further down the hall to my father's portrait, and we looked at his hands, and there it was again. Extremely peculiar. <laughs> and we went on about our business laughing about the fact that we all had the same hands, so to speak. But as the years passed, I found myself laughing about that moment my brother, my uncle, and me. I began to wonder about the hands of my, my great-grandfather, who I don't have a picture of, Eason Edward Blake. That's where I get my middle name from. And his father, Samuel Blake. And Samuel Blake's father, Louis Blake. And Louis Blake's father, Isaac Blake and Isaac's Blake's father King Blake strange name for a man who might have been a slave right my fifth great grandfather King Blake born in 1808 and how all of them Isaac Lewis Samuel all of them probably had that same slight curve of their index and middle fingers on both hands. Look at your hands. 
It really made me wonder about those that had these hands before them in the past. And it then occurred to me that in every period of time in history throughout the centuries and millennia, there had to have been someone here on earth with these hands. Everyone in the room and online, keep looking at your hands and know that I'm also talking about your hands. In the time of slavery in the 16 and 1700s, I think of someone with these hands working in the fields and towns helping to build this country. On the same day in the year 424 AD, 1600 years ago, there was someone with these hands here on earth somewhere. Keep looking at your hands, my friends. When Paul was knocked off of his horse on the road to Damascus, there was someone here with these hands. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell, someone with these hands was here. The song asked, were you there when they crucified my Lord? And I know that although myself, I was not here, someone with these hands was somewhere here on earth when Jesus hung on that tree. When Samson slew 1,000 men and King David danced himself out of his robe, somewhere during that time, someone with these hands was here. When the Israelites crossed the Red Sea on dry land and when God made a promise to Abram, someone with these hands, the same hands that you are looking at now, were here. These are your hands. Look at them. In fact, these hands have been here since the beginning. For before God formed these hands in my mother's womb, he knew these hands. Before he ever said, let there be light, he sanctified these hands. He ordained these hands. If this were not true, then you would not be here with these hands. Look at your hands. Just look at them for a second. I think we've come to the point in time over the years that unless we lose or injure our hands, we've come to take them for granted. Our whole cultural psychology has produced a mindset in us that now wants something for nothing. And we think that we should not have to really struggle to get anything nowadays. Preparing something as simple as a meal used to be an almost all-day affair. They used to have to get up early in the morning, go out back, catch a chicken and wring its neck and pluck the feathers and do everything else to prepare it. But now we use someone else's hands to raise and, and slaughter or grow and harvest our food for us. All we have to do now with our hands is pick up a, a smartphone and order Uber Eats or Grubhub and They'll deliver your food nicely packaged and hot to your front door. You ain't even got to go get to groceries no more. 
COVID made it necessary for all of us to do our Instacart. I go grocery shopping from, well, DeAndre goes grocery shopping from our couch <laughs> nowadays. The night before, the night before last, my son Charles complained that the microwave was taking too long to heat up his sandwich. We use someone else's hands to build our houses, to make the clothes that we're wearing. We are used to almost everything being done for us these days. In comparison to past times, there is very little that we actually have to do with our own hands anymore. Now, don't get me wrong. It's good that we have those that are trained to do what they do nowadays. It's good to have different levels of specialization. For example, you certainly don't want my hands trying to fly the plane that you're on or perform surgery on you. But what I'm talking about is an aversion to toil and travail. We've been conditioned to want it all and want it now. And we think that it should just be given to us on a platter. We don't want to have to work or do anything for it nowadays. And that's the way some of us have seen God. We want him to just bless us with whatever we think we want in life or think we want in that moment. As believers and in this time and culture, we have to battle within ourselves with what Bishop Blake once called an erroneous and narcissistic sense of entitlement. And we have to wonder not if, but how much we as the church have been affected by this mind state and this worldview. We all believe in God. We all profess Christ crucified. But while this word, this truth is a gospel that is widely agreed and believed on, it is a truth that we take for granted. Many of us don't always focus on it long enough to let it transform us into what God would actually have us to be. We really have to ask ourselves, is this world a better place because we are in it. Is this church a better place? Because we're in it. Because I'm a part of it. Or are we just sitting around waiting to see what God and the church can do for us? Many of us walk around with a W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me? Attitude. We have the power to impact nations and transform cities. We have the power to impact nations and transform cities. Yet some of us, most of us, haven't even truly let ourselves be transformed by this gospel into something new that God can use to help someone else. We worship Christ but we are also called to truly follow him. But how do we do that? 
How do we come to know our Savior even more after we've received salvation? Should we be satisfied just to sing the song, I'm on my way to heaven and I'm so glad, while the rest of the world wallows in pain on its way to hell? Look at your hands. We have to realize that one of the greatest challenges that we face as the church in this time is that we are in the danger of becoming the rich young ruler. The world is watching, beloved. And we have to face this challenge. But how do we do that? I think that the answer has a little bit of something to do with a, with a little word that's not too popular these days and times, and it's called service. Everybody look at your hands and say service. Now listen close now and lean in because I'm about to say something. We call where we are right now a church service. But we didn't come to service, we came to worship. Service is what we're supposed to be doing when we leave here. I'm going to say it again. We call where we are right now service, but what we're actually here to do is worship. Service is what we're going to be doing and what we should be doing after we walk out of here. We have to remember that this building is not the church. We are the church. Our lives are the only Bible that some people are ever going to read. And if they don't read your life right, and if your life isn't being expressed right, then they're not going to ever go any deeper. Mark 10, verses 43 says, Yet it sh shall not be so among you, that whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Oh, somebody say amen out there. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm up in here by myself. You all still with me? But everything that Christ did, he did in a spirit of service. When Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, he wasn't saying that you literally have to go around washing everybody's feet that you know. He was illustrating the spirit of service and selflessness that comes with loving someone else as you love yourself. He was illustrating that no matter how big that we are, that we are here to serve. Making the word real in this case means that we live among others with a spirit of service. Everybody say service. Look at your hands and say service. The interesting thing about this fact is that Jesus washed the feet of his disciples knowing that Judas was going to betray him. He washed the feet of his disciples knowing that Peter was going to deny him, knowing that Thomas was going to doubt him. He washed the feet of those that he knew were going to desert, desert him in his greatest hour of need, that he knew they didn't deserve it. This lets us know that not only 
Are we to serve and to give to those that we think don't deserve it, but we are to serve others even when we know that they don't deserve it. Why? Because we ourselves don't deserve what Christ did for us. And he still did it. You know you ain't done nothing to deserve being saved. Think of how you used to be back in the day. You remember how you were. God gave you his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness, and you knew you didn't deserve it. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise for their grace and forgiveness on this morning. God can look at our lives as an investment, but we are not to look at each other as investment. Now, this is a subversive thought in a culture that tries to show us that it is better to serve self than it is to serve others. A culture that has its own gospel, the gospel of me first. Now, what does service look like for us as the body of Christ here on earth? I think that the book of Nehemiah provides us a good example. Nehemiah 2 and 17. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are now in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. And then they set their hands to do this good work. Every child of Israel did everything they could to rebuild that wall. We don't have the time, but when you get a chance, go into that that account. They all did their part. Now, as members and beneficiaries of the ministries of this great church, that we have been, we have been called as missionaries. We've all been called as evangelists and ministers. And our lives outside the walls of this great church are a reflection of the ministry of West Angeles. Give the Lord praise if you've been blessed by the ministry of this man right here. Oh, come on and give him praise. Now, I believe that every member of the body of Christ of West Angeles can find ways to put what they do into the moving forward of the kingdom of God and the ministry of this church. There's a lot of different professions that are represented here in this congregation. And for every profession that is represented here in our churches, there is an avenue of service that could move this ministry forward for today and for coming generations. We may have a mind to serve, but what it really comes down to is, is what we do with our hands. We might have a mind to serve, but what it really comes down to is what we do with our hands. None of us can do everything, 
but all of us can do something. Mm. Look at them again. Look at your hands and ask yourself, what am I going to do with my hands? Ask yourself, what am I going to do with what God has put in my hands? Now, I want to be like Joseph because anytime something was put in his hands, he made it prosper and grow. Out on the back, they say he made it bubble and blow up. In Genesis 39 and 3, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Genesis 39 and 6, thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had except for the bread in which he ate. Same thing happened to Joseph when he got sent to prison. Anytime something was put in Joseph's hand, he made it bubble. (laughs) I want to be like that servant that got 10 talents. When the master put 10 talents in his hand, he made it 20 talents. He even got the other guy's talent that didn't do anything with his. Whatever gift or talent God gave you, you're supposed to make it bring all the more glory to him. That talent, that gift, that anointing is to enable you to serve. There goes that word again, serve. But as we here today look back at our hands, everybody look back at your hands. You should have been looking at your hands all of this time and wonder about those who throughout time had these hands. I can't help but come to the realization that everything, Every struggle since the beginning, every second spent toiling that everyone that had these hands did would be that. So one day I could be here with these hands. Think of every trial, every bit of pain that all of your ancestors went through. Every time they picked up a hammer or did a second of work was that you could be here one day sitting here. with these hands. We bring honor or dishonor to all those throughout time that had these hands by what we do or don't do now with these hands. Just in case that's the title of the sermon today, these hands. But I feel an even heavier weight because I see these hands on my sons, Charles and Julian. And I know that what I do with these hands today affects directly what they will do with these hands tomorrow. Because whether I want to admit it or not, little Charles and Julian are looking at everything I do with these hands. So they can see what I, what to do when they have these hands. And sometimes I wish they weren't looking, but they're always there looking. Even when I don't know they're looking, they're looking. I have to remember in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 5, that it says, A fool folds his hands and ruins himself. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. 
Proverbs 10 and 4, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. When I am faced with life's challenges, I have to remember Psalms 144 and 1, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains these hands for war, these fingers for battle. I have to set an example with these hands and do like Psalm 63 and 4 where it says, I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. Somebody in here give the Lord praise on today. Lift up those hands and give the Lord praise. We have to remember to set these hands towards the building of our Father's kingdom. We have to remember that only what we do for Christ, for each other, with these hands will last. These are your hands. Look at them and ask yourself, what am I going to do with these hands today? Again, none of us can do everything, but all of us can do something. None of us can do everything, but all of us can do something. I think of the hands of our Savior. Hands that reached out and healed the lame. Hands that reached down and mixed spittle and dirt and then put clay on a blind man's eyes and gave him sight. Hands that reached down and wrote in the dirt and quieted a mob bent on executing a young lady, hands that prayed for and divided five loaves of bread and two fish and fed 5,000 men and twice as many women and children, hands that took the cripple by their hands and made them walk, hands that touched the dead and made them live again, hands that washed the feet of those that didn't deserve it, that were far less worthy than he, hands that broke bread and poured wine and gave it as his flesh and his blood to his disciples, hands that comforted the hurt and unloved, hands that loved, hands gripped tightly together in prayer saying, not my will, but thy will be done, my father. Hands that were were pierced with stakes and nailed on the cross, hands that he showed a doubting Thomas, Hands and everything that Christ did with his hands were done in love and service. Somebody in here give the Lord praise on today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see a rod in my hands, it's just a rod in my hand. But a rod in Moses' hands parted the Red Sea, brought water out of a rock. The jawbone of a donkey in my hands is just the jawbone of a donkey in my hands. But in Samson's hands, it became a weapon that defeated a battalion. A sling in my hands is just something that I'm going to end up hitting myself in the head with. But a sling in the hands of David becomes a giant killer. Fishing loaves in my hands is just a sandwich. But fishing loaves in Jesus' hands can feed a multitude. 
your life in your hands. It's just one of the many lives that come and go on earth in obscurity. But your life in God's hands, your life in God's hands can change lives. Your life in God's hands can change the world. Because we learned a whole long time ago when we were very little that he's got the whole world in his hands. <laughs> Go on now. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the All right, that's good. I didn't know y'all was going to sing the whole verse. <laughs> your life in the hands of the master. It reminds me of a, of, a, of, a, of a story that Bishop used to tell about an old estate that was auctioning off a lot of its stuff. And, you know, what they didn't know that they had a, this old violin, what they thought was a fiddle, but it was actually a Stratocaster. Some of y'all may know what that is. But the bidding started on the points of this, of this old fiddle as they got to it. And some of you all know the story. The auctioneer gets up and, what do I bid for this old fiddle right here? Someone says, $5. Someone says, no one wants that one thing. You need to bid $3 on it. Oh, man, I'll bid $2 on that thing. All of a sudden, an old man gets up from the back of the auction room, walks up to the front, picks up the fiddle, takes a look at it, and dusts off. Dusts it off, blows on it. Then he grabs the bow, and he begins to play the most beautiful song in the most beautiful sound that those folks had ever heard. Not a dry eye in the place. Old man puts the fiddle back down on the stand, and then someone else asks again, room quiet, what do I bid for this violin? $100,000. $150,000. Incidentally, a Stratocaster can sell for close to $10 million. There's only 600 of them left on the planet. But the world may have tried to make you think that your life is worthless, that there's nothing to it. What was the difference between that old fiddle that they picked up at the beginning of the auction and that violin they laid down at the end of it was a touch from the master's hand. The world may have tried to make you think that your life is worthless, but if you put your life in the hands of the master, there is no limit that can be placed on your life. Clap those hands that God gave you and give him praise on today. Everybody in the house of the Lord standing on today. Hallelujah. I've been before you too long already. Put your hands in the hands of the master and just see what happens. Like that young man that put his two fish and five loaves in the hand of the master and got more than he gave, we can put our gifts, our lives in the hand of the master and you, can, you will get back more than you can conceive or imagine. Put your life, put your gifts in God's hands and he will use it to change the world. Look at your hands and ask yourself, what am I going to do with these hands? 
God bless you, and we love you. Let's put our hands together for God's word. Let's worship the Lord for that word. We actually should be thanking God for two reasons that I want to give. One is for that word, and then the other is we need to thank God that we are in his hand. Are you glad you're in the master's hand on today? Definitely praise God for that. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for blessing us and touching us. We thank you for speaking to us through your sermon on today. We ask that you bless our hands. We ask that you bless our hearts and bless our minds. That whatever we set our hands to do, we may dedicate it to you. And you may bless it in return because we dedicated it to you. We thank you for this word. And we thank you for what you're going to do in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank God. Amen. And amen. Jesus. Everything that.